words as we look at the commandments. Last week we did a really fun one in adultery. <laughs> but this one is going to be a little bit, uh, well, I don't know if easier is the right word, but it's going to be, I don't know, it, it is what it is. Don't steal. All right, let's pray. Uh, <laughs> truthfully when i uh when dad said you know i'm not going to be able to make it on sunday so i'll need you to do the next one i was like okay i was going through them in my head all right there's adultery what's next i think stealing is next i knew it was either stealing or lying (laughs) uh which kind of go hand in hand whatever uh but then i thought don't steal so last night uh, when I had collected all my thoughts through the week, Dad got me kind of the sermon notes on Thursday, and so I was collecting my thoughts on Saturday night last night, and uh, Missy was sitting behind me, and I had in my notes, and I had just written, don't steal, on my notes. And I said, well, I think that's it. <laughs> but I think the idea of this commandment that we see in Exodus chapter 20 goes a little bit further and goes a little bit deeper than just, it's the right thing to do. So the idea of not stealing that God gave us in those Ten Commandments that he gave the Israelites so long ago, it goes just a little bit further than, yeah, okay, so this is the right way to live your life. Just don't steal stuff. (laughs) And so as we look through Scripture today, and as we look through a few different uh, aspects of what this may mean for each one of our lives, I think that there are at least three practical lessons that we can get from this commandment. I think three practical things that God expects from us as we look at this aspect of not stealing, of of how we should live our lives. And so the first one we want to talk about today, and if you've got the little outline in your bulletin, it should be in there as well. Uh, But the first thing we want to talk about as, as it pertains to not stealing is the idea that God wants me to enjoy the fruit of my labor. God wants me to enjoy the fruit of my labor. Now, much like last week, we're going to be jumping around to a few different scriptures. So this morning, we're going to start in Genesis chapter 2. We're going to start all the way back at the beginning. In Genesis chapter 2, we see a picture that most of us may be familiar with of the creation of man uh, and the world that we uh, were given to live in. And so as we look at Genesis... Oh man, these pages are tiny. Genesis chapter 2. We're going to jump down to verse 15, where it says this. The Lord God placed man in the Garden of Eden to tend and to care for it. Right there. That, that was it. That's the beginning. That's where God's plan for our existence started. That he wanted us to enjoy the fruits of our labor. So he put man into the Garden of Eden to tend for it, to care for it. Now, if everybody will remember, in the Genesis story, God gave Adam a few very simple rules. (laughs) You can do whatever you want to do in the garden. You can have it all. You can farm in it. You can climb trees in it. You can ride the animals in it. I don't know. That'd be cool. <clears throat> I'd like to think that before the fall, I think, it, I think it was a lot different. 
Um, I think animals were not as wild. <laughs> and so I'd like to envision uh, Adam riding around in the garden on like a lion. That'd be really cool. Something that you couldn't do now. <clears throat> Although, speaking of, this is a side note, just random side note, which I get hit with all the time. There was a, a woman a couple of weeks ago who wanted to pet a tiger. Did anybody hear this story? She wanted to pet a tiger, so she broke into a zoo at night <laughs> and uh, went to the tiger pen and tried to pet it, and it didn't end well for her arm. <laughs> and I, I think that's, you know, that's, I don't know why you would want to do that, but that, I mean, she was not um, in her right mind. But, but I'd like to think that for Adam, it would be different. He could probably go up to a tiger and pet it, and it would be just fine. But so God gave Adam these couple of rules, right? You can do whatever you want to in the garden. You can tend for it. You can care for it. You can climb these trees. Except this one tree. This one tree, I don't want you to do anything with it. I want you to leave it alone. And I think when I was in youth ministry, a lot of, a lot of youth group kids would ask me that hard question. Well, if God wanted this perfect relationship with man, and if God wanted us to always be with him, why did he even put the tree there? That's such an interesting question. Why did God even put the tree there? God knew what was going to happen, right? Because God is all-knowing, right? But God put the tree there so that man had a choice. You see, if God had not put the tree there, then man would have never had the opportunity to not eat from it. <laughs> Because if man had never had an opportunity to not eat from it, then we would have just been, as I like to tell my youth group kids, we would have just been mindless robots roaming the earth, worshiping God all the time. Which wouldn't be too bad, I suppose, looking at today's world. <laughs> but because God's love expects us to have free will, we needed to have a choice. And as we all know, the choice was made later on. But initially, God said, I want you to enjoy the fruit of your labor. I want you to tend for the garden. I want you to live in it, and I want you to, to appreciate it. Let's jump all the way into the New Testament, to the book of Ephesians. Book of Ephesians, chapter 4. Ephesians, chapter 4, and verse... 28, uh, and it says this, if you are a thief, stop stealing. <laughs> Begin using your hands for honest work and then give generously to others in need. I like this too. The thief must no longer steal. <laughs> Instead, he must do honest work with his own hands. So he's something to share. It goes back a little bit to what Sam was talking about during offering today. When we look at the act of stealing or the act of avoiding stealing as it pertains to our particular faith set, what are we really doing? We're providing a poor witness for others, for starters. But as God's Word tells us here in Ephesians, the thief must no longer steal. Instead, do something 
for others. And I think that's an important lesson as we look at the idea of not stealing. So that first lesson that we see from this, this idea, this, this commandment, God wants me to enjoy the fruit of my labor just like Adam and Eve had the opportunity to do in the garden so long ago. And so now we see that we shouldn't steal, but instead we should be forming our personalities and our lives around the idea of doing for others. Because the act of stealing is a very selfish act. Could we agree on that? The act of stealing is something that's very self-centered. If I take something, I'm taking it for me. Even if people who take things for others, they think that they're doing the right thing, they think they're being a Robin Hood for other people, really at the end of the day, they're doing it for their own satisfaction and still hurting someone else. And so instead we see in Scripture that we should be forming our, our minds around the idea of helping other people. The second thing that I think we can get from the idea of not stealing, this practi- these practical lessons, is God wants my life to make a difference. God wants my life to make a difference. Let's jump back to a small book in the New Testament called Titus. So if you flip over to Titus chapter 2, there's not that many chapters in Titus. There's only three chapters in it. Titus chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. Titus chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. And this is what that says. Slaves must obey their masters and do their best to please them. They must not talk back or steal, but they must show themselves to be entirely trustworthy and good. Then they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive in every way. Now, I think it's important for us to take a moment and define what a slave is. <laughs> because I think in our minds, uh, we sort of automatically go to a specific definition of what a slave is. But I think in terms of our faith, in terms of Scripture, we can sort of apply maybe a different thought process to what a slave is and to what a slave might be. Other parts of Scripture say that those who owe money to others are slaves. A lot of uh, Dave Ramsey type material that talks about getting out of debt, uh, talks about that if you are in debt, you are just a slave to a lender or a slave to the money. (coughs) Excuse me. And so the idea of where this verse talks about slaves must obey their masters, I don't think that we need to associate such a negative connotation with that or negative definition of that term, of the term slave. But I think it is instead what we could form our minds to, or what we could wrap our minds around, is the idea of a person who is indebted to somebody else. 
And in our specific lesson today, I think what we could associate that with is us indebted to Jesus. And so as we look at this idea of not stealing, where in this verse it says, we must not talk back or steal, but show ourselves to be entirely trustworthy and good. As our lives are centered around the idea of showing God's love to others and extending his mercy, as we are indebted to the sacrifice that Christ made on our behalf, are we doing so in a way that's not stealing from God? It's an interesting thought. Have you ever thought about what it takes to steal from God? Or what that even might look like in your specific life. The idea of of stealing from God. I think it goes a few different ways. But the main way that I can think of that makes the most sense to me is with time. You see, I don't know that anybody here in the church, at least not in our church, maybe in some church, But I don't think anybody here would run back to the office and take money out of the offering plate when nobody was looking. I don't think anybody would take money from the church, at least not on purpose. (laughs) But I think sometimes we can steal time away. And what I mean by that is that there are a lot of different ways to give. You know, when we talk about tithing and when we talk about uh, the idea of giving back to God, uh, repaying him for the, the debt that we owe, for the sacrifice that he made, that can come through monetary giving, but it can also go through giving of uh, our time, volunteering. And I think when we look at the idea of stealing from God as it pertains to our time, are we giving our time to the church because it makes me feel good? Or are we doing it because we want God's name to be heard? You think think there's this thin line that we walk across when we talk about giving and stealing, especially as it pertains to stealing from God. But ultimately, God wants our lives to make a difference. And if we focus our hearts and if we focus our minds on the idea of giving so much back to further the kingdom instead of furthering ourselves, if we step out of the way and let the Spirit move among us, that's when we can truly make a difference. And so first, God wants me to enjoy the fruit of my labor God wants my life to make a difference. And then third, God wants me to learn to trust in him. God wants me to learn to trust in him. Trust is, I think, a hard thing to do. When uh, I had the opportunity to be in ministry, there were all of these types of games that would help us teach students about certain aspects of the Christian life. And one of the uh, 
<laughs> I don't see it done a lot today, probably because we uh, messed it up in the 90s. Um, but one of the fun games that we used to play a lot in youth group was a trust fall. Has anybody ever done the trust fall? Either in youth group or with a company event? <laughs> the trust fall. You know, a lot of people will do it on the ground, which is probably the safest way to do it. We didn't. Um, <laughs> we would stand on things and we would let kids fall off and then we would catch them most of the time. Well, I mean, we all know the ones that you just want to let hit the floor. It's fine. Like when Braden gets older. <clears throat> um, or now. Uh, <laughs> no, he's going to be so much fun to some youth minister. Um, <laughs> not me. But we would do these things, right? And we would, we would try and, um, uh, and teach kids about what it meant to trust one another and ultimately what that, how that would translate into trusting God, letting, uh, letting him be in control of your life. When it feels like you're just falling, there will be someone to catch you. You know, there's this funny video that I saw on the internet, um, speaking of trust falling, where this uh, dad who is videotaping um, his two daughters do a trust fall. And so he's telling them how to get lined up. He's got the one girl back behind, uh, one of the, one of the, one sister behind and one sister in front. Uh, and the one sister behind has got her hands up and she's ready to catch uh, her sister as she falls. And so and he's like, okay, I want you to stand, just stand straight, put your arms over your chest like this and just, and just fall. She's going to catch you. Just fall. And it, I mean, it's, it's this big buildup, right? And then the sister in front got her arms crossed. She looks ready. She's straight as a board. And then she falls forward. <laughs> so sometimes the trust fall doesn't work. But, <laughs> but the idea of trusting in God, we have to establish in ourselves at even a very young age. And so we're going to go back to uh, the book of Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament. Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. Malachi 3, 8 through 10. And this is what that says. Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. And some, some versions will say stealing. Uh, you have stolen from me the tithes uh, and offerings due to me. You are under a curse, for your whole nation has been stealing from me or cheating me. Bring all your tithes into the storehouse, so there will be enough food in my temple. And if you do, says the Lord, I will open the windows of heaven for you, and I will pour out a blessing so great that you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it, and let me prove it to you. What an amazing... Uh, idea from the book of Malachi. That God is saying, when he's talking to his people and he says, but you have stolen from me or you have cheated me. And then God issues this dare to his people where he says, I dare you to take this much and put it away. And just see how much I will open the floodgates of heaven for you. What 
what an amazing thing it would be to trust in God instead of keeping it hidden away, stealing from God, cheating God, however you want to put it. Let's flip back even further toward the beginning of the, New, of the Old Testament and go back to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 14. Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 14 and verse 23 where it says, Bring this tithe to the place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored and eat it there in his presence. This applies to your tithes of grain, wine, oil, uh, and firstborn of your flocks and herds. The purpose of tithing is to teach you to always fear the Lord your God. Now, we already mentioned tithing once earlier. But I want, it to, I want us to not get so focused on the idea of tithing, but that we should be giving to God in some form or fashion. Because there are so many things that God can do for us and through us when we give back. Instead of the idea of taking, it's such a hard thing to talk about in the culture that we currently live in because the culture all around us is a very self-centered culture. The culture that we live in today is all about me and mine and what I'm going to do for me. While our culture is very me-focused, the culture that God calls us to is very (laughs) God-focused. And you see, everything that we do should be a reflection of what God wants for our life. That He wants us to enjoy the fruits of our labor, that we have toiled our hands and not taken, and we have done something for others. Where we have made a difference, not only in the lives of those around us, but for the kingdom, for people who are people that we've not even met all over the world. This church does that each and every week where we collect that money and where Sam said that 12 cents on every dollar that this church gets goes somewhere to further the kingdom. Whether that's an, a mission in India or a Bible college in Joplin, that money is going somewhere to make sure that God's kingdom is furthered. And that's the type of lifestyle that God is calling each and every one of us to live. Where we live in a culture today that says you should do what you need to do for you to make sure that you are getting ahead. God says, I want you to live in such a way that I get ahead. That my kingdom gets ahead. Because at the very end of days, when Jesus returns, when God comes back, I can guarantee there will not be a line that says, I need everybody who collected all of the stuff to line up here. (laughs) At the end of the day, it's going to be a line of people who believed in Jesus and His kingdom and of people who didn't. And so what line are we going to be in? What line are we going to be a part of? Because we took the time to sit and think about what God wants for our lives according to what His Word told us to do. 
When we looked at the idea of not stealing, did we just say, okay, well, we shouldn't steal because it's a nice thing to do. No, we should not steal because it helps us further our own what God, our own lives of what God has called for us. That he wants us to enjoy the fruit of our labor. That he wants us to live this, uh, this life uh, well lived. And he wants us to make a difference and that he wants us so desperately to trust in him when we think that we can't. Finally, in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 and verse 32, which is our memory verse for the week. It says this. Since God did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't God, who gave us Christ, also give us everything else? What an awesome verse. God was willing to offer up his own son for us. And so because of that, do we not know that God will also graciously give us all things? He's already given it all. <laughs> Anytime there's a news story about a parent who's lost a child, I think about my own kids. And as any parent knows, there are a lot of days where you have a lot of joys with your kids. There's a lot of days where you don't. (laughs) But I have no idea what I would do if I lost one of my kids. It wouldn't be pretty, I can tell you that. And so when we think about this verse from Romans chapter 8, where it talks about God has already offered up his own son for us, so why would we not trust and believe that he's ready to give us all things? Now, I want to make it clear that this verse I don't think is talking about necessarily all the things that we would maybe want. I don't think God's going to dump buckets of money on us because he's already given us a son. He might as well just give us buckets of money. But I think what it is talking about is the type of life that Jesus promised us, a life well lived, a life where we have made a difference, where we see the fruits of our labor. And it's all because we have trusted in him to do so. And so as we've looked at the ideal, these different commandments as we've gone through these ten words. And today as we look at don't steal, it goes a little bit further than just, yeah, it's probably the right thing to do. And today I challenge us to think about what that truly means for our lives. Obviously we don't want to take. This taking is something that 
takes away from what God has called us to do. The type of life that God has called us to live. Stealing would put a blemish on that witness. But are we stealing from God? What does that mean for you? Are we living the type of life that God expects of us, where we enjoy the fruit of our labor, where we make a difference, where we trust in him? So my challenge today is, what does that mean for you? What does stealing from God mean for you? I may not be able to answer that. But as we think about how to live the type of life that God has called us to live, are we doing so in a way that fully trusts in what he has got for us? Because he's already offered us our son, his son. <laughs> he's already offered his son. Why would he not graciously give us all things? Father, thank you for these words that you've given us these last eight or nine weeks where we get to look at these commandments that are so so old and ancient and yet still so prevalent in our lives daily today. Father, the idea of not stealing is a very simple idea because we know that it's the right thing to do to just not steal. But there's so much more to it than just not stealing because you've called us to live a specific type of life, one where we fully trust in you so that our lives can make a difference. Lord, we love you. We thank you for giving us your son. We thank you for allowing us to call on that promise and that hope so that we truly can live the type of life where we live it abundantly because of you. Thank you for this. Thank you for him. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to stand and